Welcome to The Spot with me, Afro7, your favorite pop culture critic. Today we're going to switch it up a bit. You know, we're going to talk about a topic that's kind of dear to me. Because if you know me, you know that I'm crazy about Nigerian identities. And these are the identities that sit under the overarching identity of being Nigerian. So are you a Lagosian Nigerian, a Yoruba Nigerian, a Tiv Nigerian, an Urubo Nigerian? Or do you put your do you identify solely by your ethnic nationality and you just happen to carry a green passport? You know, these things intrigue me. And I often when I come across somebody who shares the same interest or even expresses something along the same lines, I often grow them. So it was to my luck this week that our lovely guest Shiva was expressing some things on the timeline that I was like, hmm, <laughs> let's discuss this. So I invited her onto the show. So today we're going to be talking about the Nigerian identity from an Igbo perspective or Shiba's Igbo perspective, shall I say. So yeah, yeah let's welcome Shiba on the show. Welcome Shiba. Hello everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. See, I really appreciate it. Thank you for Love, honoring uh, the invite. You're welcome. I'm really excited to uh, discuss and be on the platform and, you know, share ideas. So Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. So, like I was saying, on was it was it Friday? Well, I think it was Friday. It was Friday. Yes. It was Friday. Yeah, you were tweeting about some personal experiences vis-a-vis your identity, okay? And I was intrigued as I am about these things. Um, I would like you, I would like to, I would like you rather to give us a little bit of a background into this. So essentially, let me just summarize real quick. What I read was you expressing your personal identity and how it was formed. Okay. Right. And, um, I read your Twitter bio and it did say Nigerian something, something. And I think that's what triggered my, or, or, or may, or maybe, made me want to ask you even more because what I was reading and what your bio said were kind of at odds. So I wanted yeah. to know essentially how you reconciled yourself or how you got from being identified as Igbo solely to being Nigerian. Do you understand? So if you could just give us a quick, you know, a quick summary and then I'm just going to go into the questions for you. So let me first say that um, for the purpose of uh, being in, I don't, I don't know the exact quote, like top of my head, but Chimamanda, um, had, had actually, I think she paraphrased from Ojuku, a quote about, you know, being Igbo and how, um, Ojuku referenced, uh, being Igbo first and then being Nigerian second. Mm -hmm. And I think that wherever you are, you have an identity that you choose to amplify it. So when I'm in America, I... I'm, an, I'm American, but also, like, in America, I don't think anyone really cares that I'm Igbo. Um, <laughs> so what's more um, defining as a black person in America for me is my Nigerian identity, hence Nigerian-American in the, in, on the Twitter profile. But though I'm Nigerian, that's not an identity I felt strongly about or wave the banner for proudly to be honest with you until i left until i left lagos and i say that um because when i was growing up in uh america or sorry when i was growing up in nigeria my family uh were i'm, I'm Igbo. both my parents are Igbo. both my parents have very strong ties to culture and tradition so i was brought we were brought up in a household that was pretty westernized but it was still very, very much tied to Igbo culture. Igbo 
identity was very strong. It was something that was often um, emphasized. In okay, wait, just to just to interrupt there, just stop sure. you there. You grew up in Lagos. I grew up in Lagos. Okay, and if you don't mind answering this, when did your parents come to Lagos, or were they born and raised in Lagos? No, my parents were not born uh, in Lagos. My my dad, my both my parents are from Imo State. My mm-hmm. mom grew up in Enugu. Mm-hmm. My dad grew up in Imo State. Um, my, my mom uh, is from uh, Arundizog mm-hmm. in, in Imo State. And my father is from a village close to Ornu, which is, I'm sure most Igbo people would know if you're from Imo State. So they're even from very different parts of the quote-unquote land. Mm-hmm. And even that itself is another identity complex, to be part of two different parts of Igbo identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like also being born, being in Lagos, I didn't ever feel like Lagos was my home. I knew that I lived in Lagos, but every Christmas, like I had said on, on Twitter, like I would always go to the village with my friends would be going to London, okay, okay, whatever. You're, you're, I skipping, would you're skipping the question. When did your parents come to Lagos? My father came to Lagos in, I think later on in his life, mm-hmm. um, he left, um, he lived in Zaria for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then he moved to the U.S. and coming back, went to secondary school, and then after that, he went, he decided that he wanted to be a pilot, I mm-hmm. think. So he went to Zaria, and then it didn't work out. From there, he went to America for school, and he pretty much lived in America, and when he moved back to Nigeria, he moved back to Lagos. He had not lived in Lagos until he was an adult man. Okay. Yes. And the same goes for your mother, I presume, until she was a woman. Yes. Yeah, okay. My mom had lived in Enugu and then Kaduna and then Lagos. Excellent. So your parents are a proper Wazobia. They've experienced the north, south, yeah. and the east. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, so um, I think another, another thing that interested me on your timeline, whilst I was reading what you were writing, was about the war. So do you mm-hmm. want to go into, well, as comfortable as you can be in talking about this, do you want to go into how the war affected, like, or if it did at all, your parents' outlook and ultimately your outlook into your personal identity in relation to the overall Nigerian identity? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when I was talking about that, there was, just to kind of give that context, mm-hmm. um, this was the talks about, you know, Brexit. The talks, there were so many talks of referendums in Nigeria because of Brexit. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, there were all these conversations about referendum and Biafra seceding, and I'm not even going to go into that. But I think that one thing people kind of leave out in the conversation around the civil war and Biafra is that because of that experience, that became a bond. The pain from that experience became a shared bond and that made a lot of communities, families, um, very tight, like tightly, more even tightly knitted, but also very insulated from everybody else. And I think that that was what played out in my family in the sense that my grandmother, um, my, my grandfather used to be an engineer in the North. He had, he actually was smuggled, smuggled back to the East in the trunk of a car. Mm. <laughs> by one of his drivers. So there are all these, like, you grew up hearing all these stories about um, the war and leaving blame aside, because I think that when people talk about 
Biafra or the Civil War, whatever people are calling it these, these days, there's always a focus on the element of blame, mm-hmm. removing the actual psychological effects that war had on our communities, that war had on the family system in Nigeria, that war had on even just the way parents, our parents came of age. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of depression, a lot of um, PTSD, a lot of people mm-hmm. never really recovered from that, like a very entrenching silence took over a lot of families. And that's something that I think we, we leave out of the conversation often. And what manifests from that experience when these people have children later on, mm-hmm. there's a sort of hypervigilance yeah. so that you don't lose your culture, mm-hmm. so that you don't forget who you are. There's the reason why like a lot of Igbo people go home. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad always used to tell us that if anything happens in this Lagos, this house that you're living in, we'll leave you, it's nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. This is not your That's We always heard that every single time. This is not your home. This is not your home. This is mm-hmm. not your home. Mm-hmm. And that's the only home that, that's the only place we grew up and that we knew. So can, that's a very kind of, it makes you kind of schizophrenic, like your identity. It's like, I'm living in this place. This is all that I know of being Nigerian, but yet it's not my home. But I don't live in the East. So where's home? Mm, you know? Um, and in terms of family and how that played out in my family, there are people, um, you know, in my family that, you know, they had property in Lagos. This mm-hmm. is during the war. that They never recovered back. Mm-hmm. Um, it built a very deep element of distrust. Mm-hmm. That plays out even in con- like growing up the conversations we would have with uncles and aunties like don't trust that person because they're A, B, or C, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or their father lost this property because this person who was A, B, or C. It, it leads to a lot of things. It's mm-hmm. you know pointing, it's stereotyping, but it's all based off a personal experience. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm always um whilst I'm open when it comes to the war, yeah. I don't really want to discuss it. I just want to listen. I don't want to discuss it because, like you said, I don't want it to degenerate into a who could have done what, who's to blame, whatever. I mean, I can talk about it on academic terms, you know, like I'm like like I'd be writing a history paper or whatever. I have no problem doing that, but talking about it on a one-to-one with someone, I try to shy away from that because I think I don't know enough, and it's too it's still too soon, it's too near, it's too raw, it's too everything, and I don't want to say the wrong things to set somebody off because. I'm removed from it. You know, my parents are Yoruba, so their grandparents, they're from Lagos Island. They, I don't even think they smelt a bullet during the war. So it's not something that I can relate to in any way, shape, or form. Do you understand? So I'm always yeah. careful. I'm always careful when, when, when it comes to the war. I'd rather just listen when it comes to personal experiences. I just listen and, and, and I take it in. Um, but from what you said... I would say, go don't on. mind. Um, I would even say, like, even what I know of the war, I still, I, I still don't think I know anything. It's very, my experience also is very limited, but all I know are stories. And, you know, there's, um, there's a very, in, in my family, there's a story of how my, my grandmother, I, I don't know if I'm even saying this correctly, but she went missing for, a, uh, for like a week because she went to go trade salt mm-hmm. at one of the, um, I think it's a, the boundary line between Biafra and somewhere. There was no salt. Mm-hmm. And she went missing for days. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of panic in our home. Like my um, my oldest aunt had to start taking care of. People started to assume roles in the family. And my grandfather was sick. That that the kids started to assume, you know, the roles of adult. Because that's what war does. It creates intensity. It, it makes you grow up fast. You start to mm. assume 
responsibilities really early. Mm-hmm. And even in that sense, that has played a very strong, but even also a very negative dynamic in my mother's family. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone was really removed from the war. Like the, the civil war, Biafra is Nigeria's story. Of course. I of course that, it is. You know, and I'm not saying like that's, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think that it happened to the country. And even if someone did not experience it, where what Nigeria was, the narrative of that country that everyone shared, it changed. It yeah. changed after that. The, there was there was more distrust. Yes. And what that does, even in our, it still plays out in our society. It's the reason, like I have, you know, friends who are our parents don't want us to marry outside of the. Um, oh, that's funny. I mean, I, I look. My parents haven't expressed a desire that I marry you. Look, at this point, they just want me to get married. They don't even care. <laughs> I can bring over the Oibo. They don't care. Just, just get married. You know, that's the... Um, but um, I think, look, I'm not going to say my parents are the most, like, kumbaya when it comes to ethnicity. I, I've heard them say things that I that, that have made me bristle. Do you understand? Yeah. Um, I have heard, heard them say things. But I think my identity was formed by A... My being from a very small place, very small place, and moving to England as a child. I'm like, people have heard me say this a thousand times, and the reason I, I hold on to it so much is because it doesn't exist anymore where I come from. I'm from Lagos Island, okay? And people might be like, oh, you're being dramatic. Lagos Island is still there. It's still there as a place, physically, yes. But from what it used to be, it's it's no longer there from, from what it used to be, right. you know? We we are a minority on the island. I mean, it's it's been taken over by people from all other parts of Nigeria. So before you were identified by like which house you belong to, so I could just be walking around randomly as a kid. I still remember this. Like I'd be walking around and someone would tell me like if I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. Which house are you from? And then I say oh, I'm from the Sarami house. And then they might take me home, or they'd wait until like, they run into like someone from that same house and they'd be like, oh, I saw such and such doing this and this, you know. And then I'd get beaten. Whenever the that's so interesting, I didn't even know that yeah. about Lagos. Yeah, like because you wouldn't think people are from Lagos, quote unquote. So it's, yeah. it's like I said, it does that doesn't really exist anymore because most of the people who come from the island, those are our grandparents. They're dead. Their children are often uh their children are often um travelled out of the country right. or into different parts of Nigeria or different parts of the state. Do you understand? So it's not the same anymore. So I feel like it's always right. like I have to carry the identity within me because what I knew doesn't exist right now. Like everybody can go to their village and I go to my village and it's like fucking busy every day. There's no, there's no fresh air. There's nothing, you know. So my my identity as a Lagos Islander is very strong, but that's because it's, it's all nostalgia because the place doesn't exist as such. I think there's a luxury when you're Yoruba. As a kind of luxury, well, a Lagosian Yoruba, shall I say, because there are other Yoruba states that are probably on the same. But there's a luxury when you're Lagosian, a Yoruba Lagosian, um, that you see in Nigeria probably as not as bad as, as other people might see it. You know, mm. because you're comfortably within what you perceive to be a majority or, or home turf. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Um, you grow up without a hang-up because, again, you're, you're on a home turf and um, things just sort of play out. And then you're plagued by similar problems that other Nigerians are plagued by, lack of water, electricity, etc., etc. But I don't think you get 
any hang-ups about your identity in relation to Nigeria because Lagos is, I mean, like, you see yourself as a Lagosian and everybody else there is maybe like, you know, from other parts and they're the strangers and you're at home. No matter what part of Yoruba land you're from, do you understand? Um, yeah. So I think, I think your Lagosian Yorubas don't share that hang-up because they're like New Yorkers, essentially. Like, they think the world revolves around, yeah. around them. <laughs> so they're, they're not... You know, so it's it's always interesting to see and hear how other Nigerians feel about Nigeria. So now, you've explained that uh, you being in America has caused you maybe to embrace, shall I use the word embrace, or just use the Nigerian identity. So it's either you've embraced it or you just use it. Which is it? Because I, I, I would say embrace, absolutely, because it's it's it was never a question of... When I was living in Nigeria, yes, I was aware that I was living in Nigeria. But was I aware that I was Nigerian? I didn't mm. know what that meant. Mm. I didn't know what it meant to be Nigerian in the con- mm. in the context of living somewhere else. True, true. Yeah. I knew was that I was living in a country called Nigeria, mm-hmm. but in a country called Nigeria, I'm Igbo. Mm-hmm. And in Poland that I'm from, my, my mother is from here, my father is from here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to, to come to America... You know, I I could only, and, and not even, no, this is not me throwing shit or anything, but here in America, there's also that friction, frictional identity divide where it's like, okay, you're all black people. But it's like, yeah, we're all black, but within the blackness, blackness is monolith. So you, you struggle with that idea of blackness as a monolith. Yeah, yeah, other just, people do, yeah. <laughs> fight against that, you have to adopt something else. Mm-hmm. So I... I adopted Nigerian American as my identity. Yeah, just just to mark you out from being just black. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I mean, of, but but of course that's his, that's his own uh, set of problems. Being black versus being African that's, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't even care to get into that because I I only no, yeah. understand it from the outside and from you know Chimamanda's book. <laughs> whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. The, I don't know the varying complexities of that. So I'm just gonna gonna leave that alone. But um, look, it's it's it's. So, how do you think your parents' experience have affected you? I mean, you're an adult now. Presumably, you don't still live at home. So, how do you think that that's affected you in terms of how you view Nigeria, one, how you view other ethnicities, and how you view how Nigeria views you, if that makes any sense? I think for a while, I was growing up, I felt, I felt that... I, there was an element of not feeling wanted in Nigeria, um, if that makes sense, as as as, as Ndibu. There's an element of not feeling welcomed. Um, and I, I went to school in Oshun State. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, there were not that many Igbo people in my, in my class, like girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and even our teachers, I could feel like the Igbo teachers were doing solidarity with us. There was mm-hmm. that feeling. Mm-hmm. And there's this, the only reason why that would exist is because you feel, to have that sense of community, it means that you feel like there's something else outside of you that's not of you and is bigger than you. Okay, wait. Let, me, have, let me ask you this. Do you think the feeling would be the same if a Yoruba chick was to go to school in Emo State and there were like Yoruba course. teachers? Right, so how, how is it then unique? How is it then unique to Igbo-ness, might I ask? 
it's not unique to Ebonus, but I think it says a lot about what, what we call Nigeria. Mm. I think it speaks a lot to the conversation of if you are whether you are Nigerian or because what does that mean to be feeling yeah. that way? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Same, I agree. Yeah, it's the same way. Like, and I mean, not to like drift off, but I remember I have a friend that I went to school with in in Nigeria, and years later when we had we we left school, I was talking to him, and I was like, "I hey, so your house are right?" And he's like, "No, I'm not house. I'm Kaji." And I said, "What's Kaji?" Mm. <laughs> I even know that there was an ethnic group. Mm. Yeah, people tend to assume everybody from up north is Hausa. <laughs> so I was there in my own little bubble of oh, being Igbo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, mm. I can't imagine what he must have felt or mm. how people from the what we what we're, we're calling minority groups, quote unquote, mm. Mm. you know, mm. in Nigeria, mm. and what that and how that speaks to the idea of being Nigerian. Mm. We all like now. The internet amplifies conversations around identity and nationalism or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the reality is when you're actually there in the field, it's not the same. You're such a guy. So you haven't answered uh, the other questions, which is how how did it affect how you view other ethnicities and other groups? Your parents' experience and then how how that affected you growing up. What's the effect it's had on you looking at Nigerians of other ethnicities? Because, well, felt, because wait, I mean, I just a moment, sorry, because our parents sometimes pass on their prejudices and we have to unlearn these things by ourselves yeah. as adults. So how, how, how did that affect you? I, okay, well, I remember, like, when I was, when I started in school, I didn't really feel like, oh, I'm not going to talk to this person because they're about whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I always, at the back of my head, if something, like, happened to me that was quite, like, out of the normal, it made me ask certain questions, like, why would why would this person get priority over me in a situation in school? Like if someone is get, if we're all getting punished and I'm being treated differently, um, as opposed to someone who is my age and in my year, why would this person get away with this if we're, if, if we both committed the same, uh, crime and it could be, it could be anything, but because yeah, but that's the I first think, question. A lot, a lot of people would go to that question first. I mean, it's yeah, just like next to, yeah, there's, I, I think I, I did grow up kind of viewing, you know, a lot of other ethnic groups with distrust. Mm. There was that feeling of distrust. But then you spend so much time in school with the same people over time, like it just kind of fades away and you realize that we're all just people, right? But then there are other things that, okay, I'll give you an example. The school that I went to, the only of Ife visited one time. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I'll, give, I'll give another example. We used to go to, I used to go to the Anglican Church in my school. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment where um, the, the the oba of our school passed by. The school had an oba. Yes, the guy who owned our school was an oba. Oh, okay. Ocean State. Okay. And so, when he passed by, immediately all the kids around me just like started um, they frustrated and you know KBAC. Mm-hmm. And me and two other girls are standing up because. Not like we didn't respect him or we didn't think that he deserved the respect as ruler of, of this land. Mm-hmm. But it did not come naturally. Quick, as na- as yeah. natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got punished for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Teachers said, oh, you are disrespectful, this, that, mm-hmm. and before. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to explain, like, wait, it's like, it wasn't, we don't, it's not like we don't think the man deserves respect, but that's just not our culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. looking back at it now, 
yeah, like whatever. Cabiesi, respect the guy, or do what you have to do. But like looking back at it now, it's like I didn't think of it that way. No, I mean, and- look, it, it wasn't your fault. Is that your teachers didn't understand that? Look, people often think. Every Nigerian grows up. Every Nigerian grows up kneeling down and prostrating, but that's not Nigerian culture. That's Yoruba mm-hmm. culture. So people don't understand yeah. that, and I and I think even Yoruba people don't understand that, which is really odd. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know. But then again, I was a child because I came here after primary school, so I didn't right. even know that there were Nigerians that didn't prostrate or kneel down like i didn't know i thought this is i actually thought this was just a nigerian thing and this is everybody does this do you understand it was until i came here that i realized because i met my my friend's parents when we were graduating my first degree i met my friend's parents and when i met her parents i knelt down like not all the way to the ground but i kind of curtsy to them because that's what i would do to people who are my parents because i don't curtsy to my own parents they're just not that fussed but to outsiders i always do it so when she came to meet my parents, she shook their hands. And my, my dad was like, yeah. but my mom was like, oh, I'm on you, kneel on us. And my dad was like, don't say that. Igbo, you know Igbo people don't don't um, kneel down and prostrate. And I was like, they don't? My dad was like, what do you mean? Of course they don't. It's not everybody does it. And I believe yeah. you me, that was the first time. And I was, I was a grown adult. So I was like 18 or 19. So it was the first time <laughs> I knew that it was just a Yoruba thing. Do you understand? Because up yeah. until then, I thought Nigerians did it. I mean, I, we didn't do it to our parents because they didn't care. Yeah. But I just thought that's what Nigerians did. I'll give you another example. Like, so I understand. I mean, I, I granted at that moment in time, maybe I didn't really take the onus to research state legislation or whatever. They scrapped my school, followed YX standard, and then scrapped Igbo from junior the, the neko the junior wayek so imagine imagine that you'd been doing Igbo. i was in Igbo l1 it was even only one Igbo class Igbo just one two and then midway in just three the school now said okay no everybody must do yoruba can you imagine that i can i actually can and like my and i i my, my parents my parents actually didn't care like they were like okay you know what try your best and learn like i really tried i had done your button in primary school so there was still stuff that i could remember <laughs> I, was lost. I was lost the entire school year <laughs> i managed ap in yoruba and i just didn't get an f and i was so happy i managed what did but you what, get like, what, is that? what did you get i got a p i passed i mean was that p oh okay. i tried to get f9 <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, most Yoruba kids wouldn't pass Yoruba written and, and, and written and reading either. Try and trust me. <laughs> like we had Yoruba L one and L two, and I remember passing by the L one class and looking at people speaking fluent Yoruba. Like this cannot, I, this cannot be real right now. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be real. But even being being in Igbo, mm. lots of us Igbo people still do not even understand Igbo very well. And that to me also speaks to the Nigeria, the conversation of Nigeria. Does as it? Does it? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. I believe so. In, in what way? But people I know, except that their parents moved them, maybe like the people that I know who they moved from, maybe Enugu or Potakot, 
right to Lagos when they but are in the But do you know that Igbo people like, tend to be the most bilingual, trilingual people in Nigeria? I did not know that, actually. Yeah. They tend to be, yeah. But, so, but I mean, I, if, I if, if the assumption is, or I should say quadlingual, if the assumption is that you speak your own language, then you speak the language of the place you're... I mean, I, I, for example, my friend Uche comfortably, comfortably speaks three languages. Speaks sure about oh. Igbo and, and, and English. Comfortably. Do you understand? And then I know somebody else who speaks Hausa, Yoruba, Igbo, English, and one other small regional language. An Igbo guy. They, I mean, of all the... I've met... So let's say every Nigerian is bilingual, right? If I meet another Nigerian that can speak another ethnic ethnic group's language, they tend to be Igbo. Put yep. it that way. I would I would attribute that to the fact that Igbo people well not the facts, let me take that back. What I see is that Igbo people we tend to move around a lot one. Yeah. So then there's that ability to like kind of be immersed in your environment and learn the language. Mm-hmm. And I can't really speak for all Igbo people because obviously I have peers who live in Enugu and Igbo state, and they speak the language all because that's the land. Mm-hmm, but when mm-hmm. I was growing up in Lagos, lots of Igbo people I knew could not speak Igbo. What can you? Presumably you can because you're, you're, you're parents. I can speak are... Igbo, but it takes me a while to, like, to respond. And in growing up now, I realized that that was because I was afraid. It, it took me a while to learn language because I was afraid of being laughed at. Do you yeah, get what I'm saying? Like, I get that. I, like, my Yoruba is, to me, is excellent, Okay. But when I think somebody's yeah. like going to laugh, because the problem that I have when I do have any problem is with the tone. You know, Yoruba yeah. is a tonal language. I think Igbo is as well, right? Yeah. Yoruba is a tonal language, and it's very easy to say the wrong thing because you've used the wrong tone. Like for example, you can you can intend to say somebody's husband, and you can end up saying somebody's penis. You know, if you use like <laughs> like it's the same oh, wow. word. <laughs> It's the same word, but it's just if you use the wrong tone, <laughs> that's what you're going to end up saying. Do you know? So things like that. If I think yeah. somebody's really looking at me, I start stumbling and stuttering, then I sound really silly. But if I'm confident and, and you know, I'm just speaking it, then it's really quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and also, like, to your question again, when I was growing up, my, my, my parents never really, like, they've never been the type of, like, go and marry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But whenever they would make any kind of discussion around marriage, I knew that in our home, it would have, I would be better off marrying someone who was not even Nigerian than someone who was not Igbo. Jeez. Does that make Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, love is love, Nigerian or not, whatever, Kumbaya, uh, United, United yeah. Colour of Benetton, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, that's quite, I look, which is funny, I'm not actually, and I think this is a problem, I'm not attracted to non-Nigerian people. Can you imagine? It was really. This is how severe my, <laughs> my problem is. Like, if I find that someone's not Nigerian, like, my attraction goes like, it takes a nosedive. I'm at the point in my life where if I find out that they're not Nigerian, Interesting. They get more interesting. They get more interesting to me. Oh wow! <laughs> so we're going I think the... it's because of what, like, <laughs> this is obviously a conversation for later. But there's mm. too many cultural angles and cultural bending that women have to do. I feel Nigerian women have to do or mm. are expected mm. to do to be in certain kinds of relationships. I mean, and this and go, I, this goes across the board, no matter which ethnic group you're from, because the stories no are so similar. Me. Yeah, the stories are so similar, you just start to realize that the Nigerian woman is just burdened, especially. Ethnic, yes. Ethnicity regardless. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. just 
burdened. Well, I, I, I don't want stress. Like, yeah, I, 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 I totally stress. understand that. I totally understand that. Yeah. So now, but I mean, sorry, no, Go it's on. all right. So now, do you think that you're more, you're less distrusting of other because now you're in America, everybody's Nigerian American, and not so much Yoruba, mm-hmm. Igbo, or whatever? Um, do you think that your earlier distrust, mistrust of other Nigerians of different ethnicities has relaxed or is still the same? I think that if you're in America and you're here doing Igbo, you're by your jobless because <laughs> the real problem here is white supremacy. So if you're not paying attention, then you're actually just jobless. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has, obviously that has definitely relaxed because as I said, Nigerian identity becomes the umbrella. You find mm-hmm. solace in that one common bond. And maybe if you're very invested within the community, then those fractures start to manifest. Mm-hmm. But like I have my friends who are Nigeria, my friends who are Vietnamese, my friends who are American, and we're all ethnic minorities together. And we mm-hmm. know that the real problem here is white supremacy. So mm-hmm. I can't be breaking my back into different, different subdivisions of problems in humanity. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's too much. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Awesome. And do you think that your new view will carry through when, if you ever go back to Nigeria for like a, like a, a long-ish period of time? So I was in Nigeria in December, and I hadn't been back in seven years, like seven, eight years. And nothing had changed. In terms I, of? In terms of the conversations that we have about ethnicity, but and even, that, wait, 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 even for people your age, and I'm talking about people under 35 now, even for people, like, in your age group, so that's 18 to 35, it was still the same? I mean, I think that the conversation changes in a different way. So a lot of people I know now in, in my age group, there's a lot of, there's a focus on marriage, mm-hmm. heavy focus on marriage, and you still see the conversation around ethnicity play out in the conversation about marriage. I have mm-hmm. friends who... who they ended relationships because of ethnicity and presenting these people to their parents. Um, people whose families have backed out of business deals, people who are not <laughs> within their ethnic group. Mm. Um, I, I, I had a friend who just finished NYSC and told me about a situation at a job where you know she felt she was being slighted because of her ethnicity. Mm. So there's, there's... I think we still see these same conversations play out, but they're now very much intertwined with quote-unquote adulthood, like the responsibilities of adulthood. You still see mm. ethnicity for influence these things in life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think. To be honest with you, in London, I haven't. I think for my for my parents' age group, it's still very present because they have clubs. So my mm-hmm. my my father has a. Like I, I told you earlier, Lagos Island people, we have a thing. So he has a club for like Lagos, fellow Lagos Islanders. And obviously all, you know, the people that are Yoruba. And yeah. um, I'm sure it's the same for people from other ethnic groups. Do you get me? So they turn, that well, my, unless it's at work where he might meet a Nigerian of another ethnicity. From what I know, my pops tends to mix just with Yoruba people. But that's of their generation. For me, my closest female friend is Igbo. My closest male friend is Urubo, so I'm not. Jonathan and our, and our dealings don't lead us down yeah. that ethnic path because there's nothing there, and not because we're like above everybody, but just it just never comes up. 
Do you get yeah. like it's just not conversations that we have because there's nothing that will lead us to it. Do you understand? So it's and not. That, I'm not. You know, I'm not postulating like you know that you know because my closest friends um, are from one of my closest friends is Ethic. The other one is Ishan. Mm. I didn't even know Ishan was an again ethnic group in Nigeria. Don't worry, I found out everything when I moved here too. As so, yeah, you're not alone. Just a lot of <laughs> you're not. So, you're not alone there. I don't pick friends based on who is Igbo, who's like, I don't, exactly. I don't have time for that. Exactly. Like, I have people that are in my life are in my life. Yeah. But still, there's moments where, like, we're all engaging mm-hmm. about things that are happening in our community. Mm-hmm. And here are certain things, and you realize that this conversation might be, might just continue. People mm-hmm. aren't necessarily choosing uh, friendships or pushing people out of their lives or social circles based on ethnicity. Mm-hmm. But when we, when you, when it comes back to having conversations with yourself about life decisions that you also have to run through your parents, mm-hmm. even the most educated parents mm-hmm. have said ridiculous things. Oh yeah, definitely. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. So, yeah. There's that experience. Um, we all have our views. We all have our views that are weird about each other. Do you get? And it's like sometimes it manifests itself in the weirdest and oddest ways. Even in like a normal conversation you're having with someone, you might say something innocently, and their retort lets you know what they think of you. You as in an, your ethnic group. Do you understand? And it's 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 always revealing. And I don't think any any ethnic group in Nigeria can say we're innocent of this because we all do it. We just do it in different ways. And People feel it differently because it depends on who's in power at the time. Do you know? Right. Yeah, because power in Nigeria often is dictated from the center. That's Abuja. So whoever's in Abuja decides the 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 the, the trans of the day. So when Good Luck Jonathan but, was in yeah, power, like okay, well, you said whoever's in the center. Let's not come and play ourselves here. Like, not to turn this into some kind of like political like boxing fest, but let's not act like we, there's there haven't been certain people who have been in the center for long. Well, so when the, fellow, when the fellow tells you that they're real Nigeria, so that's where that comes from. Right. Do you understand? That's, I mean, the Nigerian constitution, I say this all the time, and I get tackled on it, which I like, because I'm still waiting for somebody to prove me wrong. I think so many things in Nigeria are the way they are because of the North. And But I want I don't want to just say this and leave it open. Like I'm hoping somebody who's listening to this will volunteer to challenge me on this view, and then we can go point for point. Do you know? So I don't really want to go but, down this alley because it's easy for me to say this when I'm not getting challenged on it. But that's essentially that's why the fellow can say that because there are so many things set up in Nigeria to favor the North. And when I say the North, I should make it clear that I'm not talking about your everyday guy because he does look. He had, clearly has not benefited from these policies. I'm talking about the right. elite, the upper class. They have fixed these things that way so they can always wield power the way they wield it now. Still, do you get? Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, is um, I I definitely feel that I I felt uh, in, in coming back to Nigeria seven years after, like I felt very far removed from Igbo identity, and I think that that's something that I've personally struggled with because growing I grew up in Lagos, I went to school in Ocean State. I think that if I could have turned back the clock. Or if I were, if I could go back in time as my parent, I'd have probably sent me to school in the East. Because mm-hmm. I, I still feel that there are things about Igbo culture that I don't know. There's still things about. I'm sorry? You've got time to learn. I still have time to learn, definitely. And I, I'm taking the onus now to learn it. 
You know, if I'm going back to Nigeria now, I know is that if my father says we're going to the village, I can't stomp my feet or whatever. Yes, we're going to the village. Let's go to the village or whatever. Like I, I welcome it now, but I truly know that if I am to have kids, like I will make them, not make them, but kind of expose them to that side of, of yeah. my identity. Because yeah. I really, um, I don't want to be too far away from it. Yeah. Because I don't really know what I am as a Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not very strongly, I'm still figuring out Igbo culture, but I'm not Yoruba either. Yeah, so then, yeah. the next time becomes this placeholder okay, for... Okay, wait, hang on. Do you feel like a Lagosian, though? No. Hmm. And what does that mean? Like, look, do you know how... Okay, I have siblings. I feel, I feel very much like a Londoner. I've been here for most of my life, and I feel like this yeah. is my city. Do you understand? Even though I wasn't born here, I feel like this is my city because I've spent most of my life here. I have siblings yeah. who feel like Londoners, and they're fully Nigerian, fully Yoruba, fully Lagosian, whatever. Yeah. So... The liberty of living and experiencing and loving in a city, paying my taxes in a fucking city, okay? Even though we pay to the to the to the to the governments, the big government, not not the state government. I mean, not the local local council. Um, right. I feel very much like this is my city. Do you get? So I old, I often wonder if non Yoruba people, and by non Yoruba people, I mean because look, imagine that not every single Yoruba person that's living in Lagos is from Lagos, and I'm pretty certain. But if I was to, like, find five or six and ask them if, if they felt Lagosian, they'd tell you yes. Right. So how is it that people who aren't Yoruba don't feel Lagosian? I don't get it. Because there are areas in Lagos that are solidly n- other. By other, I mean non-Yoruba. Right. You get So I don't, I don't understand how somebody like you... Okay, maybe I do understand, but I'm surprised, shall I say, why you say you don't feel Lagosian. It's weird to me. Because growing up in Lagos, one, I think my parents, like, were very paranoid. They were very overprotective. So I didn't really feel like I really got to know Lagos or explore Lagos. Which area did um, you grow up in? I grew up on the island. Oh, you islanders. Uh. Whether, 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 I, I felt sheltered, to be very whether honest you're, with you. Whether you're Igbo, you're a Bahasa, if you grow up on the island, you're just from the island. You're not even from Lagos. <laughs> you're from the island. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. So when I came back in December, I was like, nobody's telling me. I'm not, I'm not staying in this house on any accord. Like, I can't come back to Nigeria and live the same way I had been living prior. Mm. And then I, I felt like I was betraying something. How can you say that you're that you've lived here and you know nothing of this place? So I actually made sure I was exploring Lagos, not just the island, but I made sure I went. I was going around. So essentially, you spent your holiday in traffic. That's what you're trying to say. That's, thank you. <laughs> oh my god! I in traffic, but you know what? Like, I learned a lot. Um, I, I put I took I put my guard down because I really felt that living. I, in, and then from I was ten when I went to school in Ocean State, and mm-hmm. I, I stayed there till sixteen. Mm-hmm. So I, I pretty much was moving all over the whole place. Mm-hmm. So I just tell people that oh, I live in Lagos, but I didn't really feel like I was from there. Mm-hmm. The only place I ever really feel like I'm from is New York. This is my city. Yeah, well, that and that's a shame, and that's because you can be. Yeah, that is that's a because shame. You can be from there without any baggage. Do you get me? Like you could just be yourself without any baggage. There's so many different people there, and that's why I think it's such a shame that people don't feel Lagosian because Lagos is like a little nudge. Everybody's in Lagos. You know, we can make it our city, and we, like, 
I mean, I'm saying this from a very biased point of view because I'm Lagosian, you know. So, like, I'm hoping that Lagos eventually gets to move away from all this Nigerian bullshit where everybody's, like, fighting for ethnic identity or whatever. And we can just say, well, Lagosian, fuck you all. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Oh my God. Like, but um, even now, like, I think when I think of um, going back to, I, I don't know if I ever want to move back to Nigeria, but I, I always joke around with my friends, like, yeah, if I'm moving back to Nigeria, I'm going to move into a bungalow in Owari. I might just move to the east. Well, if, I don't, if I don't move to Lagos, my next city to move to is Enugu or Calabar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just uh-huh. because I've met so many fine, fine, fine Enugu men. Because secondly, secondly, the city doesn't seem too crowded and it seems quite progressive. Do you get me? So, like, I want some of that and I want peace and I don't want to sit in traffic all day. Because I'm not certain that I can live in Lagos because the traffic situation is maddening. Like, I don't have the patience for it. You know, as much as I love the city, like, I, I can't suffer that. It's, it's, I, I it's, it's crazy. So, I'm not sure. And, I mean, can you also, like, can I... There's, there's something also, like, I keep saying there's something to be said, because I think that when I went back to Nigeria, I didn't, I, I felt like I had questions, mm-hmm. but all, like, all I came back with were more questions. Like what? I, well, for example, I felt that when I was growing up in Nigeria, my parents were protecting us from Nigeria. Do you blame them? Almost, Do you blame them? <laughs> I mean, no, look at the, the experiences, yeah. And I'm thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful, but in some ways, in some ways, it... It shocked that I didn't feel like I knew the country that I was telling people I was from. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. The more that you, like, I felt like my, my entire time being in Nigeria, my guard was up. Mm. So I didn't want to feel like Nigeria was something I had to protect myself from. But that means you can leave yourself very vulnerable. Yeah. You know what sure. I'm saying? For sure. Vulnerability, you learn the lesson of Nigeria too. Sure. There's something. So, but, then, but, then, but then, you know, there, there are choices open to people like us. And I'm taking the liberty yeah. of saying people who have had the the pleasure, you know, the privilege of, yes. of being abroad, do you get me? Exactly. And having the option of being abroad or being in Nigeria, people to whom that is a viable option, Nigeria abroad. We have a, we have, we have a certain, we have a certain uh, privilege that others don't have, which is to be vulnerable to Nigeria at our own choosing. You know, Our own choosing. There are many people t- for whom this is an everyday thing. Even if your God is up, you need that vulnerability to survive. Yeah. Even even if it's just a facade, like you need to. You, I don't know how to explain this. Like you need to delve further and further into into the unknown to survive. You know, survive. whether it's walking from A to Z or, or or begging or whatever, you're often at the mercy of other people, and this is how you survive. I agree. But for us, it's like, well, it's, like it's like a cloth. It's like a cloth we can sew and wear at our leisure and discard it when we're ready, you know. So it's... I it, yeah. And I, I, I think that when I let my guard down, mm. I now realized why it needed to be up because it was painful. Oh. There's a, yeah, there is a very <laughs> You see yourself. You see your life outside. <laughs> there is a very painful reality about being nigerian there's a very painful reality about the country so abused the country so abused and the people have been so abused that 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 normal relationships and normal normal interactions normal just normal human things have have been colored in such a way that you need to question everything it's very it's a very difficult existence and i think if you're if you don't live there every single day 
and you're coming in from the outside, you feel it a whole lot more because it's not the norm yeah. to you. Do you get? To them, it's a yeah. norm. To them, it's a norm to say something is green when it's white. You know, and when I say them, please, if you're listening to this and you're not like that, don't take offense, but it's happened too many times for me to not think it's very common, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, to them, it's, it's a norm to, to, to just tell you something is when it isn't. Even in, even inconsequential lies, inconsequential yeah. like wahala, they'll just make it because they can. And it's just like, <laughs> like, what's going on? You know, it's... it's <laughs> to survive, to sur- to sur- the, the idea of surviving... Surviving has, the, the, the definition has changed of what it means to survive. And it, it can encompass anything. Everything is free for all when it comes to survival. And I, in leaving, I realized that that was what my parents tried to protect us from. That we could get, you as a child, even as an adult, you can get caught in someone's element of survival. And that might not necessarily be a good thing for you. No, it's definitely and, not. Um, yeah, so that was, and I mean, that, that made me feel like, am I really Nigerian if I can protect myself from the reality of Nigeria? Well, you are, because there are many Nigerians. There isn't one Nigerian, do you understand? And I think right. that we have to be wary of assuming that if you don't struggle, you're not Nigerian. Because there's no right. country on earth where everybody's struggling, you know. I'm here. Yeah. That there, there, there are multitude of, of, of identities in, in in the UK. There's the upper class. There's a rigid, there's the rigid aristocracy, which is which still comes to the fore from time to time. That doesn't mean that people who are flexing on on British or English, because it's certainly are. It's just that every country has different realities, you know. And we we I mean, often when we speak about Nigeria, we make that like if you're not if you're not in pain, you haven't experienced Nigeria. You know, that's non that's just nonsense. Pain. I mean, that's not. I mean, yeah. I, I joke about it all the time, but I know it's a nonsense because that's to say that pain equals Nigeria. No, there are many yeah, people yeah. flexing in Niger. <laughs> Do you get me? Like we're here like they often think we're all here washing plates or washing dead bodies yes <laughs> because but so many of them are flexing and living the kind of life that i i can't afford you know i agree and there are many people living the kind of life that i thank god that i don't have to go through so it's not it's not either or there are many in-betweens as well so you know we need to stop thinking pain equals authenticity or some shit it's that because some people make you off. feel like you are a betrayer because of the opportunity to escape uh, Do you understand? Well, well, let me tell you something. If they have the same opportunity, they'd hightail it out of it as well. Yeah. So don't even mind those ones. Those ones are talking shit. It's, it's, a, it's just thinking hypocrisy. You know, it's no, don't don't even think about that. But yeah, I mean, look, Nigeria, I've never met, a, maybe Americans, but I haven't met many of those. Um, a, group of, a group of people more dis, more obsessed with discussing their country than Nigerians. I've never, like, met anyone, like, from anywhere else. Nigerians' favorite topic equals Nigeria. Nigeria. It's this, this, like, (laughs) feed, this feedback loop of just, like, a carcass that just keeps eating itself. It's like a dead horse that just keeps reviving and just dying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We love to talk about the problems. We love to talk about ourselves. We love to talk about what's wrong. We do. And I I don't know if we're just, like, the philosophy is a little bit too much now. It's just taking us what what is the end? To what end? Um, to the, I, do you know? I often wonder if Nigeria ever got its act together. Nigerians will legitimately feel deprived because that's a conversation <laughs> piece that's been taken away from them. What would they talk about now? Like, oh god. What we talk about now? What we talk about? Exactly. So it's it's. I love the country, God knows, and I, but I think I love it because I'm not in it. 
you know, so it's easy for me to love. And another thing I had to confront is if I coming back to me was was choosing to decide, like was not choosing to decide, was me making the decision to commit to actually understanding my identity and and loving or or just coming to terms with what that meant, mm. like what does it actually mean? Because I if I had if I didn't go back, I would have been. Like I know myself, I'd have decided to go somewhere like Mexico because the flight, the cheap, the, the ticket is cheaper or whatever, and I'd have mm. put it off for so many years. Mm. And before you knew, it would have been ten years before I'd gone back to Nigeria. Mm. So going back, that was a choice. Like, okay, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna see what it is I can do, and I'm gonna like. But it was hard. It was great, and it was hard. Like you mm. can spend the first week partying it up in on the island, and then before you know. <laughs> little elements of truth start to seep into your your day they just start to seep in and you have to start asking yourself questions look i think Um, i think you have to live in nigeria without guilt so long as you're not you're not imposing on anybody else so long as your existence doesn't mean somebody else is suffering i think you have to just live without guilt because i tell you something your father worked for what he's got and you have no reason you have no reason to feel guilty for enjoying it or for living the life that his hard work has afforded you you get you have like you have no reason to feel guilty about that and i think a lot of people do feel guilty and it's really weird to me enjoy it but i think obviously you know you have to care about other people that's fine. But that doesn't mean that you must go and be sweating inside bus stop or inside the bus to feel... Do you, do you get me? No, I mean, what are, the people there will even cuss you. Like, so you have a Range Rover and you're here with us. Are you mad? You know, they will even cuss you because it's like you're trying to insult them. So it's not... Nigeria is a complex beast, you know, and we can't, we can't really discuss it all in one hour. It's got so many complexities. But I thank you for indulging me on this. Um it's been very, very good and, and, and enlightening. And yeah, I've had fun because this is one of my favorite topics, like I said. So I don't know if we're going to get a chance to really go into music the way I wanted to. But because... I want to. All right, let's, let, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's yeah. do it. So yeah, um, Wiz, Wizkid, he's been blowing up the charts all over. Like I think man's been number one, well, featured on the Drake joint that's been number one for a couple of weeks here now. So he's a proper star. Like he's been known in the dias in the diaspora community. So like if you're Nigerian, if you're from the African community, you know you've been knowing Wiz for a minute. And by extension, people from the Caribbean community, because of their because of their proximity to us, have been knowing man for a minute as well. But now he's like a proper star, as in like non-black people know man. And it's like wow, he's Nigerian, and you're kind of proud of him, yeah. But I was thinking this would have happened to Burner, and I was reading your tweets again because I've been getting a lot of. <laughs> A lot of things on Twitter. I was reading your tweets again, and you were essentially sharing sharing uh, that same opinion. And yeah, tell me, tell me about that. To be honest with you, like the the artist that is playing now in New York, mm-hmm. like one dance, IOJ is your number. Mm-hmm. Featuring Fetty Wap is getting more play than mm-hmm. one dance. Oh wow! Right now in New York City, IOJ. Is the Nigerian? I don't even think people know he's Nigerian. I think people might think he's Jamaican or something. Mm-hmm. But everywhere you go, can I get a number? Yeah, they probably call him AOJ, right? AOJ. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> everyone is that song. Everyone is playing that song. I was at a party where there were just mad white people there. Everyone singing that song. One. So uh, yeah, one dance. Honestly, like 
I was saying this, like, I'm happy for WizKid's success because that really, I don't want to say he opens the door because I don't really think that that's what's happening. But I, I don't I, think he I opens think the door in the sense that he didn't do any Nigerian anything on that joint. So it's not like he can, no. he's yeah, Nigerian, exactly. but nothing he did on that joint really points the way for the genre, quote unquote. I'm just no. lumping everybody in the same box, but nothing he did exactly. points the way forward for the genre. So, yeah. That hook, that hook that he had on that song wasn't necessarily like the true north to like Afro. I mean, it was like it was Jamaican. Got a pretty girl and she's yeah. sexy and fine. Oh, no, me and... I mean, that's not Nigerian. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why I was tweeting what I was tweeting about Burner Boy one is because I'm a really big. I really like enjoy Burner Boy's music. So and do I. I'm a people have called me a stan. I think I, people, people, somebody called me that too based off like the tweets on my timeline. But the reason why I, I tweeted what I is because I think that before Brenna Boy came, I really wasn't feeling inspired by anyone bringing out music. His style is different. Um, if if he is responsible for the ideation behind his, his videos, applause, uh, applause to him too because that stuff is different as well. I really mm. feel like Brenna Boy could pioneer. He's, he's fluid. Um... I can see Brenna Boy featuring Rihanna. I can see Brenna Boy featuring on a rock joint. I can see Brenna Boy featuring on a hip-hop joint. He's that versatile, um, to be honest. I mean, he's just a very, very versatile artist. Artist. Mm. He's very malleable. And also, like, his stuff is sweet. The same people... The reason why people are always getting sweet. I mean, Boy, he wasn't, he wasn't allowed to travel if he was. It's okay. Do you know his song? Shaking King. It's okay, okay. Yeah. It would have done a lot better than he did. Better. Well, than it did, and rather. I, I, his first album, like, forget this on a spaceship album. Like, I don't even, whatever, man. That was his last song. We'll, he, still we'll hasn't, he still hasn't made an album worthy of his talent. I mean, his first album, the melodies on some of the tracks was quite loose. Like, he didn't tighten right. up the melodies on some of the joints. It was a good album. I think it's better than, than the second album. Life was a good album. Yeah. Like, but, however, he still hasn't made an album that his talent deserves, you know? Because yeah. I think the fellow doesn't listen to advice. It doesn't take direction. He's falling out. He's falling out with. Was yeah. it who made who who made us okay? Was it Chimaga or or uh, what's his name? Or Beats, either or Beats or Chimaga. He's falling out with the the guy who made Soccer, who gave him his biggest international international hit to date. Wow. And he's just. I mean, look. If it's true, I heard rumors that his his visa situation is ironing itself out, and he's going to be in the UK. I don't know if it's true because he has not tweeted this himself. So, but the sooner the kid can get over here, the better, because he's a massive, he's a massive star in the UK and he hasn't been here in years. Like he's a, but that is telling. That look, is cause his music bangs and he's got the right, like his, because he used to live here. Yeah. Like he's got the natural UK London thing going on. You get me? Not right. London thing. London ting as two different things. You get me? Like it's got that London thing going on and it's like people just naturally understand him. But you know the thing is, Burner Boy, his his style, his essence, his aesthetic, it feels natural. It feels organic. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel forced. And I that's mean, the he's logic. been influenced. He's been influenced by them shabaranks, them them older, yeah. them older like young, them older uh, West Indian cats who were doing music back in the day. You can tell. Do you get me? And then he's infused that with Galala, and that's a Nigerian. Nigerian sort of reggae situation, dancehall situation. Then he's right. taken that. He's taken his pH, his pH roots, infused that. Then he's taken his Yoruba roots as well, infused that. So he's very, he's very versatile. He's influenced, and his grandpa, I think, used to be Fela's manager. So that runs, you know, that that influence is also there. So he's, now nah, he's 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 dope. 
Burner's dope. And I really, really, really want him to pop. Like, I think he deserves it. His music, his talent. I agree. Good talk. I mean, you know, I'm really, like, impressed. Like, you know, I don't know. I know a little bit, but you seem like you really are immersed. Because I'm obsessed with the music. Right. Yeah, like, it gave me a feeling. Huh? No, no, no. no. Yeah, it seems like I'm saying, like, it does seem like you are immersed, like you understand... Like, even the systematic way the stuff works. Because at the end of the day, it's still a business. It is a business. And their, their profit has to be made. Precisely. Um, and, 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 I mean, for me, the angle that I see myself very interested in is why we have artists like Neola and Emanira. Like, what is now their purpose in this industry? Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> see, yeah, I'm going to discuss that in, on another... <laughs> I'm going to actually discuss that on another episode. I didn't think it's something I can discuss now because there's so much... There's right. so much to say, so I'm just gonna keep that cool, because <laughs> you know. But however, I would like to thank you so so very much for honoring our what? invitation and for coming on. It's given me a lot of joy um, to discuss thank you. these things I with you. And I hope you have a pleasant week. I'm gonna edit this down to a consumable length. I think it's it's pretty long. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, before you dash off, what's your Nigerian song of the week? We we often do this, so give me one. My Nigerian song of the week is Victor Skibida. That's what I've been listening to. Really? Skibida. Yeah, I'm so old. I mean, I, I maybe you should create a song through Spotify. I, <laughs> no, the hook on that song is crazy. The hook on yeah. that song is crazy. I love it. My Nigerian yeah. song of the week is actually Standard by Ricky Banks because I think the song is dope. Forget the video, the song is dope. And listen, if Wiz had made a song like Standard, it would have blown no t- in no time. But yeah, the boy, the boy came correct. I love the song. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, once again, thank you for riding with me. It's your girl Afro Seven and my lovely, lovely guest Sheba, who uh, you know kindly graced us with her presence this week. And yeah. I look forward to uh, running and see you guys again next week. Take care of yourself and each other. Peace.